Okay, I guess I can say that over again, right? So if there's no objections, we're gonna call this meeting to order. So this is um, our regular public meeting, February 11th of our uh, the Measure A Community Oversight Committee. Um, so uh, I'd like to call this to order. Uh, and I, first of all, I want to welcome the new and reappointed, actually reappointed committee members, which um, Larry and Mary, you are been re, readmitted, <laughs> renewed your, your membership here. And then uh, is the, from the representatives from the park commission. And then we have Dan Russell who represents the ag side and um, is Dan even here? I don't think so. I don't see him on it. I think he was having some technical issues, so I think he's okay. trying to jump on. But hopefully he'll be hopefully he'll be joining us soon. So welcome again, and thanks for thanks for your time and energy you put into this. I think it really makes a difference that, that you guys are so committed, and uh, you know I appreciate that there's a representatives from the the main parks commission. I think that really uh, helps the continuity here. So thank you, Mary and um, Larry. I know Larry's been doing this forever, it seems like, right, Larry? Okay, so with that, um, I wanna go ahead and make sure that everyone has last meeting minutes and has had a chance to read those. This is an action item. So if everyone's read through the meeting minutes from back in November, um, I'd like to get a, a resolution to approve those minutes. I'll move to approve. I'll second it. Okay, so Bob first and Larry seconds it. Um, so if there's, everyone's approved, let's go ahead and have a motion. Um, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, anybody opposed or see any changes? Okay, looks like we're good. So the meeting, the meeting minutes from last meeting have been approved. Um, okay. So this time is the time open for public comment. And typically we don't get much public comment and I don't see anybody there, but if there is anybody in the public that's in attendance that would like to chime in or have anything that's not an agenda item. Okay. So there's the instructions. If you'd like to raise your hand, press star Asterisk nine. Okay, well, it doesn't look like we have anybody from the public attending. So um, if there's any other items that come up that are specific to the topic, then you can also chime in then. Okay, so on to the next item, which is Max's director's report. Thanks, Max, take it away. Thanks so much, Joe, and thanks committee members. Um, uh, Max Corton, Director of Marin County Parks. And I just have a couple um, uh, things like to update your committee on. One is that um, we were recently uh, awarded uh, an award for the Ponte Trail project, which was recently completed by our road and trail crew um, and a, lo a lot of volunteers as well, um, sort of between uh, San Rafael and Novato. Uh, and it's a little over four miles long and a really cool project that both, you know, reduces the environmental impact of the trail system there and also improves the visitor experience and accessibility for, um, 
for the trails. And one, one of the really neat things about that trail also is that it connects to the paved multi-use path adjacent to 101. So it's really, you know, easy for folks just to ride their bike um, to the trailhead and then uh, into the open space preserve there uh, to access it. And they don't necessarily need to drive uh, into another neighborhood. I want to um, give you a thumbs up. It's a great, I've ridden it a bunch of times. My only request is that maybe we can put some uh, benches or something up at the top. So when you get a top, you get at to the top of a place to rest. <laughs> Somewhere to a drinking fountain up there. Well, I don't know about a drinking <laughs> fountain, but there's a couple of rocks you can sit on. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Um, and then the other, a, a couple other quick updates. One is that we've, um, been asked by our county administrator and emergency operations team to uh, take our parks and open space staffing down to sort of a skeleton crew and redeploy our team uh, to support the county's vaccination uh, efforts and um, staff the vaccination pods. Uh, so we have on uh, any given day, you know, somewhere around 30 uh, staff members uh, seven days a week that are uh, supporting uh, the vaccination sites and uh, both at the Civic Center and the Kerner Health and Wellness Campus. And we're expecting that, um, you know, at least for the next uh, couple months that that will be the case until, you know, hopefully at some point, um, you know, other contractors and others will take over some of the dispensing um, uh, and it won't all be uh, staff and volunteers. That's what are they doing? What are they doing? So um, it's it's actually really I I did it uh, last Friday night and it's it's um, really uh, it's fun rewarding work. It uh, basically there's a few different positions. There's you know I think somewhere around uh, thirty to sixty people at each site depending on the site uh, supporting the vaccination efforts. Obviously we're not giving people the shots themselves, but essentially when you show up to get vaccinated, there's somebody who greets you who's just a job we call griage that sort of greeting folks and then determining whether they're in the appropriate group to get vaccinated. Um, and then uh, they uh, go through a line and then they get to registration and somebody, you know, some folks who are uh, walk-ups but meet the age requirement, um, we register them and then others, you know, if they have an appointment or something, it's easier, simpler process. They get their card. Um, then there's uh, line monitors who move them through and sort of help set them up with the, um, keep them socially distanced uh, and then uh, set them up for which vaccination station they're getting vaccinated in. They get vaccinated. Then the line monitors move them out to an area where they typically sit under a tent where there's heaters and uh, they're monitored for uh, 15 minutes. And at that same time, they sign up for their follow-up appointment. Um, and then somebody signs them out and the whole time just, you know, it's a great fit for our rangers and staff because it's, you know, people are happy to get vaccinated and our team is, you know, positive and likes working with people. And so, it, you know, to me, it feels like working at a, on a cruise ship or something like that, you know, <laughs> like you go on over to table number four. Um, so, you know, it's been, it's really, we've, we needed the, support to operate these sites and it's an important way for our team to help out um, but it also just is fun and feels good to help out um, and then uh, lastly I just you know I got some cool information today for from our communications team and I wanted to share it with you because I thought it was so interesting 
is uh, the, the, uh, we looked at the data of who's been visiting our website uh, during the pandemic because we've known that visitation has increased and um, we've had 1.1 million page views since March um, of 2020. The peak was in May of 2020. Uh, that's a little over 300,000 unique visitors. So people are either looking at multiple pages or coming back more than once. Uh, most of the highest number of views was on our homepage, but the second highest was uh, looking at alerts and closures. Um, and then our activity finder, the fourth most common was our shelter in place location list and the um, and in shelter in place information that gave information about what was open and closed during the shelter in place. Uh, the next most common was our location of lists uh, and maps. Um, and then, you know, these are kind of the ones I find the most interesting. McNear's was the most popular site that people were looking for. Stafford Lake Bike Park was the second most popular. Stafford Park was the third most popular. Um, and Paradise was the fourth and Ring Mountain was the fifth. Um, so interesting. I, I always think that's really interesting to see what people are um, looking up and, and, and where they're interested in visiting. And that concludes my report. Okay. Um, okay, great. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. Okay, uh, so the next one here is uh, to review the committee bylaws. And um, Kevin, you were gonna talk a little bit about that. Basically, we have the resolution of why we were formed and then the bylaws of what, once we were formed, what we're supposed to, you know, the guidelines of how we, how we operate. So do you wanna kind of review that a little bit, Kevin? Thank you, Chair. And um, I also just wanna make sure we're calling for public comment. I'm not sure if we have oh, any right. on the public, but. Right, right, right. So let me ask, is there any public comment on Max's um, report? Okay. Doesn't it looks like Dan is in the attendees uh, section. So if we can move him over to the panelists, that'd be great. Can't move him over because he's calling in. Oh, okay. Sorry, Dan. Well, Chair, for item six, um, you have two different documents in your agenda. This is the fun stuff. You know, we meet twice a year, and so it's good to remember what we're actually doing here. And the two documents you'll find there are the resolution where the board formed this committee to oversee Measure A, and then your set of bylaws. And I mainly want to point your attention to the bylaws because they call out your specific purposes. And in general, you'll see it's to oversee the use of Measure A funding, but specifically to work with staff on both the annual report development process as well as oversee the annual audit process. So we time the review of our bylaws during this meeting because it's especially relevant with our auditors here as well as a presentation of the draft annual report and I just wanna thank you all for doing this work for us. Um, we try to make it fun, but especially with COVID, it's mostly Zoom presentations. So um, thank you and please just take a look at the bylaws. There's also stuff about membership terms, et cetera, um, that you should be aware of. Okay, do we have any questions about those? Has everyone had a chance to look at both the resolution and the bylaws? Yes. Okay, and I think everyone's pretty clear about the bylaws are, are pretty specific, I think. Um, okay, do we, do we ask for a public comment on this part at all, Kevin? Sure. That's okay. Good. Is there any public comment on the resolution or the bylaws? 
guess not. Okay, so we're cruising right along here. Um, okay, so on to um, the Badawi report. So we need the presentation of the compliance audit. This is an action item. So um, I know that we have, is it Matish? There he is, Matish, welcome. And if you could maybe introduce yourself and explain a little bit about the process. And then once you've done that, kind of explain the results of the audit for us, please. Sure. Thank you very much, I remember. I have a presentation, a short presentation just to go over, but I was the partner on the audit engagement for Measure A uh, this year, and um, I was conducting the audit. So I have a, let me share my screen and then we'll go over a very quick presentation to go over what we've done and the results of the audit. Right, um, just to make sure everyone can, can see that. Right, um, all right, Zoom is covering up my controls here. So just a brief agenda. Uh, so I'll go over the engagement team, the deliverables of the, the audit, um, what were our compliance risks this year and what was our audit approach to address those various risks? Uh, what was our auditor's report? Um, some required communications that we, we want to make as the auditors to those charged with governance. And we'll just conclude and I'll leave some time for questions, uh, if any. Going over the engagement team. So I was the, the overall partner or a person responsible for the audit uh, this year from our firm. Uh, we had a quality control reviewer looking at our work uh, independently. I had Edward Pesewski was the senior in charge and we had one staff uh, auditor. Uh, this year was unique uh, in the sense that uh, we couldn't come on site to do a site visit. Um, so we had to pretty much do the audit virtually in a sense. So we did uh, remote interviews, um, exchanged files electronically and corresponded by email and such. So um, it, was, it went smoothly. It was a, we, we were able to accomplish all our testing. In terms of deliverables, so we issued a opinion on compliance with the requirements of Measure A, and also a internal control report or yellow book report on uh, Measure A compliance. In terms of our audit approach, we do the audit in four phases. Uh, so we have the planning phase where we just review the results of the previous year's audit, review minutes, um, do our brainstorming. We do a risk assessment where we interview uh, program staff who are responsible for uh, processing transactions for Measure A. We do walkthrough of controls and identify any unique risks um, that we need to address in this year's audit. Um, again, with shelter in place orders, that was something unique uh, this year where uh, the way transactions were processed July to March may have not necessarily been the same uh, from March to, to June. So that was just something we had to take into account and make sure, ask questions as to how did the staff address that. And then we did our tests of compliance where we look at the various expenditures, revenues and such. And then we drafted our report and, and issued it. Just looking at the, the risks, um, our audit approach, or not just our audit approach, but the auditing standards 
um, it's pretty much a the standards focus on risks rather than a complete testing of all transactions. So we identify what can go wrong and then you know design audit procedures to address what can go wrong to make sure it didn't go wrong in a sense. So we do, for example, of here we have revenues. Uh, the measure A revenues may be miscoded and recorded in a spot where they shouldn't be recorded. So we confirm the revenues, make sure that all of it was recorded in the measure A fund or measure A uh, program. And then you know there's uh, three different subprograms that requires the percentage of the measure A revenues to go into each program. So we verify the allocations were done correctly. We do testing of expenditures to make sure those costs charged against the programs were allowable and there wasn't any, I guess, erroneous charges in there. Um, there's a limitation on administration costs for, I believe it's um, the uh, uh, open land, that's 5%, I believe, or 15%, 5% that we test. And uh, we also verify that reports that were prepared for measure A were, were correct. Um, that's usually looking at prior reports. Uh, in terms of our opinion that we've issued, in terms of compliance, we've issued a clean opinion. Um, so that's the unmodified report or opinion that uh, we've issued. We've done the audit in accordance with generally accepted auditing standards and government auditing standards, also referred to as the yellow book. And I, that pretty much means that uh, in terms of all material respects, the county has complied with uh, the measure A requirements. And uh, we didn't issue any specific internal control report. Um, however, we didn't identify any significant internal control deficiencies that we would classify as a material weakness. Just going over some trends here. I mean, you'll see them, I'm sure, from uh, your, your budgeting and, and such. Uh, this here is a trend of the revenues and expenditures. And I think significant here, you'll see there was a drop in, in revenues uh, consistently. It's just because of uh, mainly from the pandemic that sales tax was affected uh, this year. So you receive less sales tax revenues from your share. Um, otherwise there was less um, expenditures, um, which actually is moving on to the parks and open space program. There was an increase in, in this category because of some additional land acquisitions that were done during the year compared to the previous year. Uh, with, however, the farmland preservation program, there was less um, grants that were issued, or no grants, I guess, that were issued this year, uh, which is why there was a net decrease in your overall expenditures. You'll see in, in this slide, there was an increase in revenues. That's because the revenues include a return of grant uh, monies that, I guess, the, an agency had received some grant funds that they didn't need or want to use. They returned it which is why you're seeing an increase there. It's not coming from sales tax uh, revenues. Um, and then with your special uh, city town and special district program, just a slight decrease in, in, in expenditures there, uh, similar to the revenues. Uh, just some required communication. This probably is, you've been saying these uh, many times and uh, they're not that interesting, but just some clarifications of our responsibilities as the auditors and management's responsibility. So our responsibility is mainly just to test, um, not test, but to provide an opinion on compliance. And that includes performing tests of compliance, uh, 
expressing that opinion, evaluating internal control over compliance and evaluating the tone at the top, uh, management are responsible for actually complying with those requirements and uh, making sure they have established internal controls to prevent non-compliance and detect um, any abuse of funds or fraud and such. Our responsibility as the auditors is to also to maintain independence, uh, which is why you're paying us to do the audit versus doing the audit yourselves is you want an independent um, bias-free audit. So we follow certain rules and regulations set by the AICPA and the state board to maintain our independence. So we make sure that we don't act as management or take on management's responsibilities or somehow have any personal interests um, within the engagement team as a whole. Uh, so we pass around uh, questionnaires amongst our staff, provide client lists to our staff. So we make sure that, you know, we don't have anyone on the team that may have some impairment of independence. Uh, overall, uh, uh, timing of the audit was done uh, in accordance with what we've done in the past. So nothing unusual there. Uh, we didn't have any audit adjustments uh, that we've encountered from our testing. Uh, no difficulties. Um, you know, we did have that challenge with remote auditing, but I wouldn't consider that to be a, a difficulty with management. Uh, no disagreements with management, uh, no internal control, uh, deficiencies that we consider to be material weaknesses. And uh, we obtained a representation letter from management, which is a key component of the evidence that we obtain is that management asserts to us that they provided us with true documents, um, they've complied, provided us with complete documents, and um, it's a key component that ties everything together. Uh, we didn't come across any anything that comes across as fraud or illegal acts that we need to bring to your attention. And that, that's, um, that's pretty much my presentation. So, so again, a clean audit and um, nothing to, to report, which I guess is, um, is what you would expect. But um, I'm happy to answer any questions if, if, um, if there are any. Great. Well, that's great news. That's, you're spoiling us. It seems like, uh, actually, I should say, uh, uh, Chris and, and Kevin and everybody involved on the park side have spoiled us that they've done such a great job that nothing comes up as an issue. So um, I think we could be more pleased. Um, is there Mr. any- Chair, Mr. Chair, if I could, please. Yeah. Um, I would like to just take a moment to A, thank Matesh and Ed and the entire team at Badawi for obviously for their work. And certainly as, as Matesh mentioned, doing an audit in such a strange environment that we've been in, um, you know, they were adaptable, um, very good communication lines with department staff. Um, and it's, it's obviously always nice to have um, no audit findings and essentially a clean audit report as you were just presented. Uh, and I'd also like to, to just acknowledge our, our own team. Uh, unfortunately, our admin services manager, Yvonne Zupko, couldn't be here today, but I would like to thank her and her entire team, uh, Amy Zhuang, Lydia Fong, and Toy Wong for their uh, just tremendous effort in responding requests and, and just coordinating things so that the information exchange was 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 smooth uh, in this uh, virtual environment. And, um, you know, I just want to thank them for their effort. Uh, and, and certainly, again, um, thank everybody from Badawi for their effort as we um, are, here we are with another 
clean audit. So I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I think it's also a reflection of their leadership too. So I think that both you and, and, uh, and Kevin and everyone else involved get a lot of kudos too. It's really a pleasure to have this kind of thing happen where it's year after year, we really don't have any issues. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a good signal to the public that they really, um, you know, they, they've got good hands, they're, they're in good hands. So um, is there any questions from any of the other fellow commissioners? Mary, you have a question. Yeah. So what are the biggest expenses in, you know, measure A and, and in the department is um, salaries and benefits. Um, are you, how do you ensure that the salaries and benefits are properly allocated to um, measure A funds versus the department funds? So we, we do tests of payroll uh, where we run labor, we obtain labor distribution reports for whatever is posted to the uh, measure A uh, accounts. And then from there, we will see who is, who are the employees charging time to those uh, funds. We ask uh, for personal action forms to get a job description, make sure that you don't have other county personnel somehow, you know, accidentally based on you know, set up that their time is somehow getting posted to measure A. And we also make sure that they went through and got time cards um, and those time cards went to the appropriate approvals. It's all electronic, so it's, okay. well, I guess it will be com completely in 2021. And we also make sure that the pay rates that were used in the system were the approved pay rates that were authorized by the, um, I guess the board. Thank you. Good question, Mary. Um, anybody else? Jeff or Larry, you have a question. Yeah, what does it mean to evaluate the tone at the top? So the tone at the top is, is an interesting concept. It's a um, pretty much at the top of an organization, what are the attitudes? What are our top management following their own policies? Um, pretty much it, with the idea that, I mean, it's more designed for, I guess, auditing standards are more set up for private companies. So it's um, like a tone at the top of a company. How does management conduct themselves? Do they follow their own rules and policies? That, in a sense, communicates to the rest of the company what everyone will be doing. So if, like for my example, I'm a principal with Badawi. If I don't follow the rules, if I... The company has rules, I override them, I do what I want. That uh, for our employees sends a message that, hey, I can do whatever I want as well. And I'm more like, there. there's more risk when that happens. So evaluating the tone at the top just means, you know, are there policies in place? Are those policies somewhat followed by management? And that somehow sets up an overall risk for the entire organization, for the entire audit. Uh, versus anything particular. Um, so when I'm looking at, it doesn't necessarily mean that if the tone at the top is, is good, that everything below it is good. But if the tone at the top is, is poor, then that makes my audit a lot more riskier. And I need to pay a bit more attention um, when I'm evaluating controls. I may take a higher sample or be a bit more skeptical in my approach. So it's it's not necessarily anything. So we do things by reading the minutes, reading policies and procedures, 
Uh, when we talk to employees, we ask about management. How do they conduct themselves with management? Um, do they have any concerns with management? Uh, that's usually the methodology we use. Um, well, thank you. Well, we have the right people at the top. Sure. I don't doubt that. Okay. Bob, do you have any questions or Jeff? Nope. Looks like Jeff has some. Jeff, you need to unmute yourself. I said, I, I'm glad Larry asked. I was wondering how the tone at the top was too. That was very interesting. Well, as you lead, they follow, right? <laughs> yeah. And Joe, I was just going to mention uh, for Dan, who I know is on the, um, because he's called in his phone is on the attendees side. He can oh. also raise his hand and speak if, Okay. If he wants to, so just okay. To point that Are you out. out there, Dan? I don't know how how we would recognize you. Um, a Dana could, if he raises Dana. his hand and wants to speak, then Dana could uh, allow it. As long as we like his tone. Yeah. <laughs> he won't be at the top for long, right? <laughs> Okay, well, Dana, if you want to let us know if Dan has any comments, please interrupt us. Uh, but I think it's a great reflection on Max and the whole team. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be part of this group that, to see these kind of results. I, I've been members of other organizations where it's just so much turmoil. And, and I think, as I said, as you lead, they follow. So I, I want to say, Max, great job on that, setting the right tone. And I think you've really empowered the right people to do the right things. And I think that's a key thing to having a successful um, results. So, um, anything else that you want to add, Matish? Uh, no, I think um, uh, thank you to, to management and staff for accommodating our requests. I know it's been a challenging year, so uh -huh. um, and we've we enjoyed working with. Um, oh, sorry, we've enjoyed working with um, with everyone, and uh, look forward to another audit uh, next year. Okay. Were there any silver linings that were made this a better process by doing it virtually versus um, on site, or was, is there any better practices that could come from this? Yeah, no, it's going to be a discussion item, I think, uh -huh. across for all our clients in, in general, just to get some feedback on, on how they think uh, things went. I think we, going, fo going forward, we envision that our audits would be somewhat hybrid, um, because there are certain things that you can't get from uh, a Zoom meeting. Sure. Um, for example, uh, I know that not, not anyone at the, the parks, uh, uh, but we do have other clients where, you know, you, if you did a Zoom meeting uh, with them, you would have no idea of what's going on uh, with this person because you go into their office and you just see a big stack of paper all over their desk and all over the floor. And you wouldn't see that. Big from indicator that maybe things aren't right. Yeah, exactly. That this person is completely overworked and uh -huh. struggling and what's what's going on with this organization. So I think interviews is always important to try to do on site to make some observations of what's going on. Um, but otherwise, there are definitely efficiencies with um, with uh, virtual auditing is that, you know, if I have to do a quick meeting with someone, I don't want to necessarily, I mean, traffic is better right now in the pandemic, uh, one, I guess, positive side of things, but uh, normally you don't want to drive two hours for a 
15, 20 minute meeting and drive backs. Um, exchanging files remotely is, is, is a bit more efficient. Um, it's, I think the, uh, the county pretty much has electronic uh, copies of every invoice and, and filing. So it does save, I guess, some interaction. You don't, you get a, I guess one of our clients says that our conference room was available the whole week. So we could, you know, we didn't have to, uh, I guess they have a lot of meetings. So, um, but there are efficiencies, but there are also some, some things we would still, um, and then, you know, we're also like, we don't want to necessarily dictate to our clients the approach. So if there are some clients that really missed us on site because they like to ask us questions about improvements or, you know, just run things by us and us not being on site didn't give them that opportunity to have that discussions where, or they didn't know what the status of the audit was. So they wanted to have like a check-in. So having us on site uh, does help on, on certain things. So we'll, we'll talk to, to everyone and see what, what's their preference. But I'm thinking for 2021, I'm not sure if we'll, everyone will get their vaccines or, so we may still have to do something like this in, in, in the upcoming year at least. So do you have any concerns that because of that, that there might be some things that weren't thoroughly vetted? There's some, I guess, overall with our past experience with the county, we huh. didn't have any concerns okay. uh, with remote auditing. Okay. We did rely more on just our normal interactions with over the Zoom meetings. Uh, other risks, I guess, with the remote auditing are um, just looking more reliance on looking at the electronic documents versus hard copy originals, which I guess with the, the county audit has always been a a risk factor because we always look at electronic copies anyway uh, with things. So in that case, we always increase our professional skepticism when we're looking at PDFs to look for alterations or if there are any inconsistencies between what we're seeing in the books versus what we're seeing uh, on the invoice. But but yeah, there is there are some additional risks and additional kind of considerations we have to take into account. But I don't think we didn't have any for the county just because of our past experience and also from responsiveness and uh, anything that we were looking at didn't seem to bring up any additional concerns. Does the audit require any um, actual physical site visits or anything to just confirm that things are like if work was done, I know I'm in a construction business. So typically like a lender will come out and look at our sites to make sure that mm -hmm. everything was, you know, all the framing's done or whatever we, we claim was done. Is there any, any physical verification of, of any of the work or anything like that that needs to be done? Uh, it's a judgmental thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Would be needed on a, like on a federal, with federal guidelines, you do have, um, requirements to do physical observations. So if you received a federal grant and you bought some equipment, there would be a, a physical observation uh, required as part of our audit procedures. I guess with, um, with the standard audit just based on risk of, I guess you have some doubts about whether the contract is actually being, you know, if the I guess the county got into a contract for construction and to build build a road or to build a park and mm -hmm. 
park really get built or, or not? Because that would depend on also an evaluation of the internal control structure, how many people are involved. Um, I think that's a much higher risk at, I guess, at a private business compared to at the county level where you have inspectors signing off on this on the work before things get paid. Um, however, yeah, if there was minimal risk or there was some internal control con con concerns um, with regards to the validity of that work and the validity of that contract and some past con concerns or some other issues that came up, we would probably want to do a, a site observation in that case. But I think that would probably be more of an exception to the rule rather than the the, the default um, approach. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, with these additional efficiencies, does that mean we you reduce your fees? <laughs> we can discuss that, definitely. But I um, think that's something that came up is that with some of our travel clients. But mm. um, but yeah, I mean, we can always, if, if needed, we can always discuss that further. But I, I wouldn't say it was that much of a decrease, but there is, um, I guess, some efficiencies there. Okay. Well, is there any... Do we ask for any public comment here? Thank you, Chair. And we'll also need an action on this item to okay. recommend this report be shared with the Board of Supervisors. Okay. So do we ask for public comment first or do we ask for the, okay. So if there's any public comment out there, doesn't sound like we have anybody chiming in. Is uh, Dan, um, did he ever show up? Do we know if he's got anything to say? Dana? Oh, he hasn't raised his hand. Okay. Okay, great. Well, if we're, if we're complete with any questions and, and the report feels like it's been completed, um, I'd like to ask uh, for a resolution here. So if we could get somebody to um, make a motion to approve the audit. It's all moved. Okay, we got Larry first, anyone seconding? Second. Okay, Bob seconding. So all in favor of approving this audit to uh, Put our stamp of approval on it to pass it on to the supervisors. Everybody in favor, say aye. 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 Anybody opposed or any objections? Okay. It sounds like we've got a, a passed motion here. So we'll send it off to the supervisors and see what they say. Hopefully they'll be happy. And more than more than that, hopefully that uh, you know all the constituents and the voters and the, the people in the county will be happy with this and it'll further our renewal when it comes up to it, that we've had so many clean audits. I think that's it. That really helps things a lot. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Patish. Um, can't thank you guys. You guys have been very professional in your approach. And I want to say you guys have done a great job consistently. So that's, that's great. All right. No, thank you, Commissioner. Yep. Okay. So then the next one is we have um, the sub-recipient audit, which is done by the department, the Marin County Department of Finance. And so I believe we have said Margie. Yeah, Margie, welcome back again. I know that you've done this before. So uh, take it away. Give us your report, please. Oh, you need to unmute yourself. Okay. Hi, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Margie Roberts. I am the Department of Finance Internal Audit Manager, and I will be presenting the subrecipient uh, compliance audit report with you this afternoon <clears throat> is for fiscal year 1819. 
and I'll be sharing this document with you. And I believe you received this document um, prior to this meeting. Uh, let's see, share. Where's the share screen? Okay. You finding it, Margie? Yeah. Share it's the it's down at the bottom there, the green icon to share. Didn't share? I'm not seeing it yet. Not yet. Um hold on. Why is it not sharing? It worked earlier. <laughs> <laughs> when we were when we were looking at it. It doesn't count. Right. <laughs> Why is it not working now? You can um, always um, if keep trying, but if you have, you can always email it too to uh, Chris or Kevin or I, and we can share it for you. Uh, you can try Alt S. Yay! Possibly. Oh, oh yeah. There it is. yeah, there you go. See it. Okay. Yeah. And then Control L. Who's sharing this? I, I am. You can just oh, give me instructions. And then maybe Control L, so you don't see, you get the whole thing. Yes. We tried it earlier. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> what can you I do? I don't know why it's not working now. At least it's not a cat filter. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about that. that was, Everyone see this? Okay. Or at least you can. Yeah, you can still see your like a... thing, but it's okay. okay. Hey, hey, Kevin, hit, hit yes. control L. I did. Let's try again. Okay. Oh, well. Not working for you too, either. <laughs> I, I keep on scrolling on my screen and I realize it's not my screen. All right, Kevin can <laughs> scroll. Can you scroll for us, Kevin? There we go. Okay, so uh, this is for, oh, table of contents. You can go to the first page or page two, three, three I should say. You're at page one. Okay. So um, uh, we actually talk about um, this subrecipient compliance audit. And um, this is for fiscal year, July 1st, 2018 through June 30, 2019. Um, and we looked at the compliance of uh, cities, towns and special districts and farmland preservation and also community CGP grant program. Um, so the first part here is the executive summary, which kind of tells you about the background about Measure A. And on page four, um, we added some information in here, uh, a little bit low, uh, higher, in here where we actually included some information from the Badawi report, where, where we showed you all of the expenditures and the revenues and the unspent balance to life to date up to fiscal year 1819. And scroll to the next page. And then in here, in the next page, we also show you that in fiscal year 1819, 27,133,000 had been awarded to subrecipients uh, and 23 million were spent by the subrecipients. So you can look at the total for the whole life of the program, which is in there. And then just for the fiscal year 1819, in the next table, 
we show you how much was allocated to each of the subrecipient and uh, how much they spent. And on the green A column, we show you which ones were selected for audit. So scroll down. So the objective of our audit is to verify the subrecipients of the County of Marin sales tax revenue were compliant with their corresponding grant agreements. We obtained Measure A funding disbursement to um, an understanding of the funding and disbursements of subrecipients. And we verified that subrecipients expenditures from Measure A funds are allowable for requirements specified in the expenditure plan. And we also verified that the Measure A funds are maintained by subrecipients in a separate general ledger or a special revenue fund. Our scope and approach um, was conducted based on an audit plan that included an assessment of the subrecipients Measure A revenues and expenditures. And to do that, we did an, a process of risk and controls of the Parks Measure A program. We met with the Marin County Park Measure A program coordinator, that's Kevin, and the fiscal officer, that's Yvonne. And the scope of this audit included an examination and, access, and assessment of the subrecipients compliance to the Measure A expenditures for the period July 1st, 2018 through June 30, 2019. We performed our testing through inquiry, inspection, and examination during the scope of the period noted earlier, uh, July 1st, 2018 to June 30, 2019, and performed our examination in accordance with the, accordance with the generally accepted government auditing standards and the Institute of Internal Auditors Standards for Professional Practice of Internal Auditing. We performed the following uh, procedures. We obtained and documented an understanding of the overall Measure A funding and disbursement procedures to assess adequacy of internal controls. This knowledge of the ordinance and procedures were considered when substantive testing was performed. For substantive testing, we verified the subrecipient expenditures made from Measure A funds and we verified that they are allowable per the approved Measure A expenditure plan. And these are for the cities, towns, special districts, and farmland preservation and community grant program. We confirmed that Measure A funds received by subrecipients for the year ended June 30, 2019 were maintained in a separate general ledger or a special revenue fund. Of the 30 subrecipients that received funds during the fiscal year 19 are un are under cities, towns, special districts, two are under farmland preservation, and nine are under community grant program. Um, so our findings. So we obtained a, and documented an understanding of the overall Measure A funding, and uh, there were no exceptions that we noted. Uh, in the second part, we verified that subrecipients expenditures were spent in accordance with the requirements of the expenditure plan. We reviewed approved work plan. We traced expenditures to supporting documents. We looked at receipts and payment information. And we reviewed the nature of each expenditure to determine if it was in accordance with the expenditure plan. We judgmentally selected 17 subrecipients in fiscal year 2019 which in turn provided 68% of audit coverage. 
for the measurement period. And we noted no exceptions. We also confirmed Measure A fund balances as of June 30, 2019 by requesting subrecipients to complete a confirmation letter showing the beginning balance from prior year plus current year's revenues and current year's expenditures, as well as obtaining a copy of their general ledger. And we noted no exceptions. So we, in our opinion, um, uh, considering that we audited the subrecipients compliance with the specific compliance requirements described in the county's Measure A expenditure plan for the period July 1st, 2018, through June 30, 2019, we noted no findings. So in conclusion, um, this is a clean report and we would like to thank the staff of uh, Parks, um, Kevin, Yvonne, the team in accounting, Amy, uh, all the um, program managers and all of the fiscal managers and representatives of subrecipients cities, towns, special districts that we audited, farmland preservation and community uh, grant program people that helped us out in, during our audit, we would like to thank them. And I also wanted to thank Michelle Babb for doing all of the majority of our sub, uh, substantive testing. I really appreciate it. This is her first major uh, year that she did this pretty much all by herself. I really appreciate that. Great. Any questions? Mary, yes, please. Mary. So my question is, it seems like we're looking at fairly stale dated information. Uh, for, I'm a former auditor. And I look at the date, you're looking at July 1st, uh, 2018. 2018. 18 to 19, yeah. 18, 19. Yeah. Why aren't you looking at 1920? That's, that's like eight months ago. It would seem like that would be, because otherwise we're looking at information that's really nearly two years old. At the beginning of our audit, we actually made a determination together with Marin County Parks um, staff. Uh, and we decided that we're going to audit the special districts, the town special districts or the subrecipients one year behind to give them time because uh, 6.30.2020 right now, some people are still busy as of today with their CAFR or with their regular financial uh, audited financial statements. So we're giving them some time so that uh, we're hoping that after nine months, after year end, they will have enough time um, to be able to give us all their attention for the Measure A audit. We don't wanna give them more work considering they are actually already, um, you know, working with their own CAFRs. I just don't know that we're giving the best representation, you know, if we're, we're supposed to be representing the public's money and if we're not auditing it for a very long time, I mean, looking at it for such a long time, if something were to come up then that potentially that something could continue on for 20 months before we caught it in the audit. It's just, it's a very long time between the time, the, the end period. And I mean, typically, and you get 
two months to close your books for, for audits, but you don't get 20 months. So um, I, well, let's put it this way. Because of the pandemic, actually we March of last year, we already asked for this information um, to the subrecipients, March of last year. And typically we're done with our audit by June of last year. So March, so it's actually 12 months, but because of the pandemic, it got extended and extended up to today. Okay, so normally we would have gotten this audit report last year. Yeah, well, normally around November. November, the November meeting. Okay. It's six months early. Okay, that makes sense then. All right, yeah. thank you. Um, so normally you will get it before the November and we're usually done by June or even July. Um, the report is ready for you guys to, or Re Kevin will already have that information by then. But because of the pandemic, everything sort of stopped. We tried to figure out how can we do this on our own? And also the subrecipients, how are they handling things? How are they doing? My um, auditor didn't give me any extra time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this... Is this something that we think we can get back on track where we can move it back to the original, uh, back to November? So rather than having the six months, is it something you think when the pandemic's over, we can get back on that same kind of time period? That is actually our plan. Okay. We already have, um, as, as we speak, we already have a draft request for the confirmation and we're going to send it out on March 1st, okay. which is what, in, in two weeks? Month. Yeah, three weeks, three weeks yeah. Um, so we, we have that already in the pipeline. So as far as Department of Finance internal audit uh, project is concerned for the whole, because we usually look over two years span, uh, Measure A is always on March and we should, and our uh, intended uh, end of field work is around June. So it, it takes us about three to four months to complete the full audit. And Chair, if I can add to this, the, the work that you're not seeing here that Margie and I coordinate on closely is both the expenditure reporting, which actually happens before the audit process. So I see both the work plan and the accounting for how the cities, towns, and others have actually spent the money and compare those. So I'm very involved in just overseeing all that work even before the auditors see it. And then in addition, driving around and actually looking at the project sites, which is something that I think you brought up, um, which is actually one of the reasons why Corte Madera was invited today because the projects are so beautiful and astonishing. So there's a lot of oversight when it comes to the subrecipients specifically. Um, the other thing that kind of also um, made us um, late, I'll call delay in, in this reporting, uh, we have two subrecipients who actually had uh, turnover during the pandemic, a turnover in, in staff. And we were, we need to sort of retrain these people. <laughs> uh, this is what your person did last year. Let me show you what you sent us last year. So we need to retrain them. And then the communication uh, is on off. Sometimes it's smooth, sometimes it's not smooth. Um, so, but we try our best to help them out so we can, you know, we can get the information that we needed. Is there, is there some form of like pre-audit process that you guys do first to make sure that there's no findings that gives them an opportunity to go back and correct and, and 
reconcile things? Well, it's really not a pre-audit. It's I oh. would call it just really monitoring, and that would really really be uh, on uh, Kevin's side okay. because Kevin is monitoring, is working closely with the subrecipients. So mm -hmm. most likely before our audit, I will talk to Kevin and ask Kevin, "Hey, Kevin, is there a red flag that you're seeing that you would like us to um, focus on? Which which of the subrecipients do you want us to audit?" just in case if they're and most of the time you know Kevin would tell us who who he thinks and we we work with the subrecipient we don't uh, Kevin can can tell you we do work with the subrecipient to make sure they're compliant mm -hmm. well Margie mentioned training and I'm on, literally on the phone year-round training new people <laughs> um, and making sure because it's astonishing the turnover but I also say that almost across the board, our subrecipients are also audited internally. And so also what I get is their independent auditors sending letters and reaching out to me asking to verify numbers and things. So there are just all these compounding auditing processes that are making sure we're on track. And you mentioned, Kevin, that you drive out there, you go and look at these, go to the sites and make sure that the, they did what they said they did, put the slides in or whatever they were doing and all that stuff. So there's some verification process. Exactly. You do that yourself or is there someone, staff members that do that, take pictures, put in the files and things like that? It's been a mix, but I try to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, that's probably a great opportunity to get to know the subrecipients too and make sure that they know how this works and what the guidelines are and give them the guidance. Okay, are there any other questions from any of the other commissioners? Uh, Jeff, do you have any questions? No, I'm good, thank you. And Larry, Bob? Nope. Yeah, I, have a, I have a question, Joe. <clears throat> um, on um, the table on pages five and six, um, most of the amounts spent are less than or equal to the amount allocated. There are a handful, three or four, where the amount spent is greater than the amount allocated, is that because the recipient spent other other non-measure A funds on that project, or what? Or um, there are many different reasons why they haven't spent all of the money that was allocated. No, 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 they spent more the way around. They spent more than what was we gave them. Uh, which year? For instance, like number nine, City of San Rafael, they spent eight hundred eighty-five thousand. Well, they're number six, number nine, and number yeah. seventeen and twenty yeah. on the next page. Yeah, yeah. All of them, the amounts spent are more than the amount allocated. What page? What which page is it again? That's on five and six. The list Project of thirty different recipients. And like City of San Rafael, four hundred and eighty, and they spent eight hundred eighty-five. Yeah. So most likely prior year they didn't spend as much oh so this this so is just for this fiscal year i see so there might have been unspent funds in a prior year correct okay there must have been <laughs> there must yeah. have been and maybe um if you want i can send you all of the um because we do have that in spreadsheet where you can see all of the spreadsheet actually i I've sent that to Kevin already, uh, where you can see what we gave them and what they've spent all for the last, uh, since 2013. No, it's okay. I just, it's just, it's just this uh, one year, I guess. And it's just unknown to us 
what the previous unspent amount was. Okay, uh, that's fine. Okay. As long as you're not bothered by it, I'm okay. <laughs> what are the requirements to become a subrecipient? That's a Kevin question. How, how do you become a subrecipient? We identified three kinds when we developed the subrecipient audit process. The first two are right out of the Measure A expenditure plan, and those are the 15% that go to cities and towns, which have their own type of grant agreement and process that we worked through early on in Measure A. And then the second is the Farmland Preservation Program that um, is a specific program within Measure A that grants for agricultural preservation. But then there's also the community grant program. And while it's internal to the department in a sense, um, it still results in consistent year over year grant agreements um, and work with um, external organizations. And so we identified that as another clearly defined program that we felt like we should audit on an annual basis. But otherwise um, the Badawi, the in internal compliance audit that we under go, that covers basically every other expenditure. Okay. okay, any other comments, Margie, that you wanna add or? Um, no. Okay. Thank you. Okay, so if we have any of the other commissioners that um, committee members here that have any questions, we lose Mary, she fell off the screen here. How about, how about Dan? Did we, have we heard from him at all? I see a phone number in there. Yeah, I see a phone number at the very bottom corner there. Dan, you listening? You have any questions? Okay. Um, so at this point, we want to open it up to public comment. So uh, it didn't sound like we've had any public listening, but if there is, raise your hand, let us know. I know that... Um, Dana put on there how to how to chime in. So if you're out there, chime in. Okay. Well, it doesn't sound like we have any public. So at this point, this is an action item. So if we can get a motion to um, to approve this for put our stamp on it, so that we can send it off to the um, the board, the, the county board members. I'll move approval of the subrecipient audit. Okay, great. So Bob's first. I'll second. Jeff second it. Okay. Do we have a quorum still? Uh, Mary is, uh, well, we still have four of us. So um, I don't know what happened to Mary. But, okay. Well, uh, all, so all those in favor? Aye. 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 Anybody opposed? Okay. It sounds like Margie, you did a great job and we can take it on to the next step. Got your stamp of approval and our stamp approval and hopefully everyone will be satisfied. Okay, great job. Okay, so the next question, the next thing we have is um, the town of Corte Madera. Uh, so Ashley, are you still there? I see uh, I see you on there. Oh, there you are, you showed back up again. So I have to tell you, I'm a I'm right around the corner from you on Willow Avenue. I'm a, I'm a quarter Madarian. So uh, take it away. Tell us about what you did with our money and how well you spent it. Well, it's nice to know that you're, you're a local. Uh, let me try to share my screen here. I just have a couple of slides to, um, to show. 
And I'm going to le learn the new trick of the control L. Yeah. That works. Does that right. work for everybody? Yep. All right. Well, first, thank you for the invitation to illustrate the impact of the Measure A funds by highlighting three projects completed for the town of Puerto Madeira. Um, it's a nice segue after the, um, the, the audit reports, and here's an example of, of what, your, what the money has gone towards. So um, first of all, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to share and for the opp opportunity to utilize the money to improve um, the park amenities for our residents in Puerto Madeira. And three projects that I'm highlighting is the Town Park Basketball Court Resurfacing, the Town Bark, which is our dog park, it's a new installation, and the Skunk Hollow Mini Park, which is the renovation. First is the Town Park Basketball Courts. The resurfacing was done and completed at the end of 2019. So you can see very different surfacing there. Um, and this was fully funded by Measure A funds. And these projects though, that I'm highlighting today do span over the last two fiscal years. Um, new installation that we opened on June 29th of 2020 is the dog park, and that is Town Bark. Um, you can see it's got a quite a large area of essentially an unused area of Town Park, which is our 22-acre park in downtown. Um, it has the dog washing station, the double gated entry for security, um, the trash bin, water fountain, doggy bags area. Um, we actually put in three benches. That would be the green portion. And then we have um, the black uh, coated uh, cyclone fencing around the entire park. And that's a picture of um, three of our commissioners at the time from Parks and Recreation. Um, uh, council member Cassisis is on the left-hand side. He's one of our new council members this year. And then Vice Chair Janaski and um, Commissioner Rivazio. And we actually had their dogs be the spokesperson. We recorded them on uh, Facebook and they read the, the hours, park hours and the rules for everybody. So it's from the dog's perspective. Um, Skunk Hollow Mini Park is our, is our major project that I'd like to highlight. Um, it, it was um, completed with entirely Measure A funds um, over a number of years. It's a project that's been very um, important to the community, especially the neighborhood um, that's around it. It was a very outdated park. Um, you can see in the picture from January 2020 and then to now the new November 2020 version. Um, we went from having outdated wood equipment and mostly sand to the board in place. We have a swing set. Um, we have multiple slides. We have a designated intended sand and water play area as well as improved picnic area, seating, um, exterior fencing. Um, that keeps everybody safe, as well as um, still maintaining a little bit of green space. Uh, we also had um, a number of outreach for the community. Uh, we had limited in-person attendance due to COVID, and we made a digital program that we also had printed um, and available on site. But it was really nice to be have it have it digital that was on Facebook. It was advertising advanced, and it really illustrated the pictures from the before and the after. And it was also a way to um, to thank the the partners that we had. We also, during the process, we had two different um, pages that were dedicated to um, the improvement process of it, keeping the community engaged in um, where the development was, as well as inviting them to the virtual um, ribbon cutting and reopening. And it was also shared on Facebook Live. Hard to hear, but we tried it. You know, 2020 was the year of, hey, let's try something new. 
Uh, I'm going to thank you to everybody that was on our town project teams just supporting us. Um, but particularly thank you to Measure A because the Measure A funding was what happened and what helped us secure these projects. Again, the, the dog park had a, a $24,000 of additional funding, but otherwise it was completely funded by Measure A as well as the resurfacing for the basketball courts and for uh, Stone Column Mini Park. Great. Well, I'm sure that uh, I know that I, I've actually used the basketball court because it's right down the street from me. My son, when he's back from college, he likes to show me his new moves. Um, is there, is there any recognition at the site just to kind of reinforce a measure A? I think one of my big things is to make sure that we get renewed. And while I saw it on your, on your um, literature there that it was funded by measure A, do we have anything out there that indicates that some of the funding came from measure A? I, want, I think that a lot of people don't realize how much measure A does, not only to the parks and open space, but also local communities. I received my one sign this week. So we'll okay. be that out at Skunk Hollow. <laughs> okay, great. And if we receive a second, we'll put it at, at the dog park. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. And who provides those? We do or? Yes. Okay. All right, Kevin, let's get those signs out. <laughs> working on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, any comments or anything from our fellow um, committee members here? Jeff, Larry, Bob? Great presentation. Oh, yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I'm sure that with the pandemic, they, they all come in handy just for getting people out and stuff like that. Yeah, at least at least we were able to open the dog park and keep it open. Um, and luckily, Skunk, uh, Skunk Hollow was only closed for, what, two days? Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> it opened okay. in November and closed quickly and then was reopened. So at least that's been open the majority of the time. Great. Great. Well, that's great to see. And, and you know, like I said, personally, being a Cornermandarian, um, Happy to see that we get some. I know that I talked to Todd a couple of times and told him, said, make sure you go fishing and get all our money. So, yes. And we hope that we hope that there'll be more opportunities because we have, we have a lot of wish lists. Good, good. Well, you guys do a great program. I, I just know, like I said, being a Corbin Darren, we participated in a lot of the things that you put out there. So, keep those signs up. Thank you. Very yeah, much. keep those signs up. <laughs> Let everyone know where it's coming from. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is not an act, this is an information only. Um, so I don't know if there's any other people if we wanna open this up for public comment or anything, but it doesn't sound like we have public comment, but um, is there anything else we need to say about this, Kevin? Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, Ashley. Thanks for making our dollars get stretched and getting the most miles out of it. Absolutely, thank you all. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Um, so the next item is um, the annual report. And um, I think, is it Max or Chris that are gonna do the annual report? I have to say, I, I read the, the report and I love Max's letter at the beginning here. I love this picture with your son. And I think that you really oh. frame this nice. It was like a the, the resilience partnership, agility community. I think that was well done. You have thanks. another future in your life, looks like. Thanks, the, uh, thanks, Joe. Publisher. And, yeah, the, the special thing about this year is that I've got my son sitting here right next to me uh -huh. <laughs> doing first grade while, while I do work. But um, yeah, I, and I can walk through, you know, um, I don't want to take too much of your time if we don't need to, but I can walk through the annual report or I can just answer questions if, if folks have questions about them too. Okay, well, we have, we have roughly 10 minutes set aside for this, so... Um, let's see, actually, I don't have it forward. 
What's that? Oh, sorry, go I said it's pretty straightforward. I, yeah, yeah. I don't have any questions. Okay. I, I think one of the things that uh, really um, impressed me the most is how much we have to do with the fire um, prevention and how close we work with them. I, I think, you know, we've always think of as kind of two distinct different organizations with two different um, missions and objectives. And um, I really see a lot of like working together, which I think is great. Um, you know, we, we, they benefit, we benefit and the community benefits. And, uh, and I, I'm glad that there's kind of been this collaboration. I, I think that's a, a great use. And I think that, you know, certainly you know, right now we're not worried about fires, but you know, only a few more months and there'll be smoke in the air and we're all worried about our own houses. And when is it our turn and all that stuff. So I think that that helps out a lot. And I think there is, you know, a big connection between the two. So I was very impressed with that. Yeah, that's certainly been a theme over the last couple of years is uh, fuels reduction, vegetation management, mm -hmm. and increasing our partnership with the all of our local fire jurisdictions. And especially it's one of the cool things about the Marin Wildfire Prevention Agency is that um, it requires the way that the funding works is that each local jurisdiction that's a member of that agency or that JPA proposes projects. And so it's contingent on us to partner with every single local agency as they consider what projects they want to propose um, for funding. And so it's really strengthened our partnership with all of our local fire agencies. Does it open some opportunities for state and federal funding that uh, we can go after grants and things like that that benefit both? Yes, completely. And I, I think, you know, we, um, FireSafe Marin got a grant that was close to a million dollars for um, removing, uh, you know, vegetation along uh, evacuation routes and, mm -hmm. uh, and also access routes for uh, fire. And I think we ended up, they ended up subgranting something like $200,000 from that uh, grant uh, for uh, fuels reduction along some of the, just uh, opening up space along the fire roads. And then additionally, um, uh, you know, our one TAM partnership has gotten uh, state grants for uh, plannings or landscape level vegetation management to improve forest conditions and, and reduce fire threat. And it sounds like a lot of that fuel reduction can also include a lot of evasive species and a lot of that stuff kind of gets blended in. So we're kind of killing three birds with one stone in some way. Yeah, exactly. I think we've, there's really good opportunities to, you know, pair um, fuels reduction that improve, you know, reduces uh, flammable vegetation near homes with removing, uh, you know, invasive species and improving habitat conditions. And, you know, especially like broom or acacia or some of the other, you know, common uh, invasives that we see. Great. Well, if I can, are there any specific projects that you feel that were completed in this last year that are really uh, get a big asterisk that, you know, we should all make sure we that you want to celebrate? Yeah, I mean, you know, we did that presentation, I think, at your last meeting where we kind of went over all the different project highlights. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think um, the really big one, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning with the award is that the Ponte Trail project was, you know, something I think our a huge kudos to um, John Campo been leading our road and trail planning effort. And then also to our road and trail crew and all the community volunteers who jumped in to help with that project. It was the biggest trail project that we've done so far. 
uh, under our road and trail management plan. And it just, you know, really was a success both, you know, the first time that we put a poor performing fire road to bed and, and restored it back to its natural condition. And also, you know, the longest um, multi-use trail that we'd constructed, uh, I think, since the RTMP. And so it's just, you know, really an exciting project. And I, I've heard all over the community, I hear people, you know, come to me and say, hey, that, that trail is so cool. It's got beautiful views that I never knew were, you know, there. And um, the way that it kind of goes through the uh, madrones up there. It kind of wanders through, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's really uh, beautiful and enjoyable. So, um, yeah, I think that's sort of a standout from this last year. Yeah, I think they did a great job too with the, um, you know, the line of sight and being able to control speed and stuff so that, uh, so that people aren't bombing down the thing and it, you can really have a multi-use that it can be used by multiple people at the same time. Are, is there any plans to bring that up to Bald Mountain? I mean, not Bald Mountain, to um, uh, Big Rock eventually? It seems like you can continue it up. Yeah, you know, I think there's been a number, when we first did the, um, the, uh, proposed sort of what that region would might look like under the um, road and trail management plan. There's some potentials for additional, you know, future projects out there. You know, one of them is potentially realign or uh, replacing the Pebble Beach fire road with a mm -hmm. um, road, similar sort of road to trail conversion out there that would provide some, you know, uh, continued sort of visitor experience in that, in that area. Um, you know, there's some challenging topographies and we haven't like really dove deep into the, the planning for that kind of project. But, um, you know, I think it's one of the things that we are looking at diving deeper into to sort of understand what that might look like in the, in the next year or two. Any, any comments from the other commission committee members, Bob or Larry? Have any of you guys been out there? Jeff, have you been out to the Ponte? I have. I, I wanted to um, thank the John Campos and Max for the continued, uh, you know, I'm a mountain biker and the continued commitment to, um, despite some disagreement in the community about continuing to push forward and offered multi-use trails and show that it can work here and that the trail conflicts are overblown for the most part. And every time we get a new trail like this, um, where everybody uses it, everybody gets along, and they all find out that it can work, I think it just pushes everything forward. So I wanted to thank you for that. Yeah, I think as a, as a, some, a frequent bike rider, I would say, I, the other thing that's nice about it is it keeps, right now there's so many limited places that mountain bikes can go, and now you spread it out so you don't have the, con the concentration and the congestion where people feel like they're constantly getting run over by bikes because now cyclists have more places to go. And I also think that one of the things I found by this pandemic, well, at least when there was the big shutdown, was that there was so much so locally that you didn't have to get in your car to go somewhere. I know we closed a lot of the trailheads off and stuff, but I think it really helped me. I mean, I'm not, I live in Cordomadera, but I found a lot of the parks and trails that I never really knew that were my own backyard um, and really got to explore those more. So I think this is great that we're doing a little here and a little there and all that kind of stuff. But I really think that we're in a unique place that so many counties have like all our parks are here and you all have to drive from one place to get to that. But I think it's great how it's really been distributed. Um, how about for the future? Do we have any other upcoming projects that you're excited about or Chris, do you have anything that 
you guys upcoming? I know we have the Bucks Landing things coming up and a couple others. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a few. We, we Initially, you know, one thing that Measure A enabled us to do is to really think on a larger scale and tackle some of the big problems and challenges like around climate change and, and sea level rise. And so there's a number of projects, um, including the Bolinas Lagoon sea level rise adaptation project, the Bothine Marsh and Mill Valley Sausalito Path uh, adaptation project, and then the McGinnis Marsh restoration and adaptation. And then also our Roy's Redwoods project that are all sort of at the, they've, we've received grant funding for a lot of those projects. Um, we just received another grant for Bolinas that's going to get us through the remainder of design and I think CEQA for that project and get us to implementation. So these are all pretty large projects at a scale that we've never taken on before, um, at least in my experience as a county. And, uh, and it takes a long time to get through just the, the initial planning and design and outreach and CEQA portions. But, you know, in the next few years, those projects, potential projects would are, are likely to get to the implementation stage. And I, I think that's, that's something that's super exciting and just trying to keep those things moving as we also utilize our resources to continue to support the vaccination efforts and COVID response. I would add uh, the McNears Beach parking lot pavement improvement project that we've been in design. Uh, it's a long, long needed project. It uh, looks like we're gonna be able to accomplish it hopefully in the next fiscal year uh, sure. that, that we're excited about. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a perfect example of deferred maintenance that really end up costing us so much more to basically almost have to replace it if we could have done like, you know, regular seal coats and things like that, then we, you know, you'd have been spending, you know, $50,000 every couple of years versus hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I think that's a perfect example. Joe, um, one other thing while we're on this item, I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't call out our communications team who puts this together and does a ton of really amazing work and who are also operating this meeting, um, uh, Rosemary Pasatino and Dana Louie and uh, Tina Torreson. So a huge thanks. To, uh, They're the ones responsible uh, for putting this out. Yeah, everything in there, oh. that's them. They're great. They are, uh, we did all this in-house. You didn't have to hire a company or, wow. Yeah. Great. So when does this get released to the public? Because the one I got just says draft on it. So when does that, and how does this get distributed? That's a good question. Um, I believe once your once your committee reviews and comments today, um, mm -hmm. then present it to the board of supervisors as a item. Great. Is there a plan launch like when it'll go out, like in the springtime, so that when weather gets good, we can people can see these things and really go out and use it. I can uh, jump in here. I know we do a mailing once mm -hmm. once the Board of Supervisors approves the report. We we have some um, printed edition that Kevin uses and sends out to community groups, and we also po post and promote it on the website and using our our di digital media as well. Yeah. So that's, that's, what, that's what will happen once the board approves it. Okay. 
So is this an action item? It's just informational only, right? That's yep. correct. Yeah, okay. Well, I just want to make sure that Larry and Bob and Jeff and if Mary's still around, if any, and Dan, we keep forgetting about Dan, um, if anybody else has anything that they would like to add to this. Mary told us that she had to leave, so. Okay. Right, I remember saying that in advance. I wasn't sure if she disappeared, disappeared, or just fell off the line. Okay, well, great job to the, to the, um, to, to Rosemary and all her, her crew and Chris and Max and everyone else that put this together. I think it really is very professional. It says a lot. And I think it's really going to help keep the, the funding going. I think if people see where their money's being spent, then they're, they're, you know, they see it's getting, they're getting a lot of traction out of it. I think that makes a big difference. Okay. So on to um, the next item here, item 11. Um, so we're, we're looking for some participants, I will say, to help kind of volunteer um, in the staff auditing and reporting meetings information. So it's not really an ad hoc meet uh, group, but we'd just like to kind of get some of our members a little more engaged in this process. And um, um, so I'm, we're looking for some volunteers to, to step up. Um, the three or less, because otherwise then we would um, be forming a committee. And I think Kevin, you can explain that a little further. Thank you, Chair. So as the Chair said, we're just looking for two or three volunteers who want to be more closely connected with the annual report and audit work. And so this group staff would just reach out to if there are opportunities to do some of that work side by side, um, we would have your names down and, and reach out as there are opportunities. So. Happy to answer questions. Well, I'd like to step forward first and be the first volunteer. I, I feel that by doing this, it really kind of gets me more engaged and helps me understand what's going out there so that uh, I have a better understanding. And, and so I, I feel that, you know, I'd, I'd love to be part of it if that's allowed, but uh, put me on the list. How much time is involved? Do you know, Kevin? You know, it's really up to you. Um, there are a few opportunities now that everything is so streamlined and we've been doing this for years, but I would say maybe up to four hours the whole year. I'll do it. <laughs> Great. So you'll guide us like when we would meet or discuss, I imagine we would do some of this stuff over Zoom since we can't meet yet, but um, you, you would coordinate all this and just invite us when we can participate or distribute the information that is pertinent. That's correct. I would look for opportunities with our communications team and others to just see if there's a good moment for you to step in and look at things or um, hear from our auditors, for instance. Okay, great. Well, I'm, I'm glad to get involved in that. Okay, so on to our next item, item number 12. So, um, as uh, Larry and Mary know, and other commissioners, committee members know, uh, last time we met, we had some discussion about some of the controversy about um, the malt and some of the recipient spending and some of the controversy. Uh, we had a member of the public who was um, unhappy and kind of, um, let's say, stirred the pot, but made some claims that we, we needed to Put our attention to. And because we're an oversight committee, our duty is to make sure that we're overseeing this. 
And so we kind of commit, we formed an ad hoc committee of uh, Larry, um, myself and Mary. And we met with um, Craig Richardson and also Kevin was involved a little bit. And I think Chris was also involved in this. Um, and, and, we, and we kind of talked about what happened um, and what were the issues and what were the findings. And um, so the result of that is that we comprised a, a letter or a statement that we would like to present to the um, Board of Supervisors saying that uh, this is the process that we did as an oversight committee to kind of address this and make sure we're turning over all the stones and that everything was addressed. And so, um, I don't know, Craig, you, are you, I see you're on here. Do you wanna kind of chip in a little bit and kind of explain to the other, um, to Jeff and to Bob who were not part of it, um, what we did? And then I'm not sure we would like to make sure that everyone has seen this letter that's kind of gonna have our stamp on it that we would like to, um, to have an action item to approve um, sending this off to, um, um, to the Board of Supervisors to know that this is um, you know, our, our, our vetting process and this is where we are. Sure, well, uh, thanks, Joe. Um, so I'm Craig Richardson, I'm a senior open space planner and I administer the Farmland Preservation Grant Program. And so I met with the uh, ad hoc committee and fielded questions regarding um, our internal process as far as awarding uh, grants, how we evaluate grants as they come in and, um, and uh, answered any questions that they had. And I mean, that's essentially, uh, is there anything more, Joe, that you'd like me to um, expand no. upon? No, I, th I think we did it. You did a pretty good job, but maybe just for Bob and Jeff's, uh, um, yeah. they, they may want to just kind of be interested in like what happened real quick. I mean, I think if we could keep this down to like three or four minutes, I think you can kind of summarize, um, you know, like I said, we had a member of public that was disgruntled because they weren't able to get uh, an easement for their hobby farm or whatever, that then they came back and started shooting arrows that you're doing this and doing that. Um, and, and then there was the whole thing with the malt thing. Um, so maybe you can kind of put it in just a quick capsule, what happened so that they know. Sure, sure. So yeah, as you said, there was a member of the public who was, um, who was upset uh, at the process that they experienced there at Malt. And so they filed a complaint with uh, the county asking them to investigate. Um, and they also filed a complaint with the, uh, let's see if I can remember the name, the, the political um, commissions, fair, maybe somebody can help me there, but with, a, with a sta another state agency that oversees political um, commissions. Uh, and that, that state agency determined that Malt did not fall under their purview and uh, the county council conducted an investigation as well and made their own determination not to um, uh, investigate malt any further. And um, I think you, you all received both um, letter statements from both county council and the, the state commission um, that summarized their findings. Um, and so that's, that's essentially where things lay. The, the internal process, our internal process um, was, was deemed strong and compliant and um, we're gonna just continue doing what we do. Yeah, it was the, uh, where was it? The Fair Political Practice Commission. Thank you, yes. Yeah. 
Okay, so I don't. I, I hope that uh, both. I know that Larry was involved in the drafting of this, as long with Mary and I. I just wasn't sure that Bob and Jeff. Did you see this letter that we drafted, and had, did you get a chance to review it? And we want to, uh, like I said, we want to put our name on it and forward that off to the board of supervisors. And I just want to make sure that you had a chance to read that, and that you felt that um, that you can back that, and that that's that you know you're taking the same position that we are. Don't forget, Dan. Oh yeah, Dan. Yes, Dan. I keep forgetting about Dan. Well, I, I I I read the letter, Joe, and um, am am confident in your guys um, looking into this. I'm I'm somewhat familiar with sort of the background of the issue, but um, I'm I'm certainly happy to to uh, to uh, affirm your um, your conclusion about this. Okay. Jeff, I'm the same way. I read the letter. I think you, thank you guys for doing a great job. Um, I'm, I'm glad that sort of the issue seems like it doesn't really have legs, and I'm hoping that it doesn't affect the renewal of Measure A. But at this point, it seems like there's a lot of a lot of bigger fish to fry out there, and people have moved on. And so I think that's. But I think it's good that the, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed, and and I like the letter, so I would definitely approve it. Okay, is that Carl who? Jumped on here. Hi guys, yeah, no, I've been lurking in the background. Uh, okay. I clutter up the screen with my with my ugly mug until I had. To. <laughs> this is all consistent, I think, with everything that I you know heard in the meeting. Okay, great, Craig. And great. Great. Glad that you guys stepped up and did this due diligence on our behalf. Okay, great. And Craig, do you have any other comments? You think will need to be pertinent here? Uh, no, I don't. I think um, I think that about sums it up. Okay, great. Well, since it's an action item, um, I'd like to request a motion to approve this letter or put our stamp on it and send it off to the Board of Supervisors. So can I get a motion here? I uh, move a motion to do that. Okay. I'll second. Okay, so Jeff uh, moved and Bob seconded. So all those in favor, aye. 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 Anybody opposed? Okay. Looks like we're good to go. So, um, and who's going to take care of drafting? I mean, not drafting, but presenting that to the board. Is that something that Kevin does or Chris? Happy to work with Carla and share with the board office for distribution. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll we will do that. Okay. And then, do we would do we expect to get any kind of acknowledgement from the board after they have read it? I mean, is there anything that kind of finalizes this process? I mean, do they read it and say, okay, we we agree with them or well done or, or move on. <laughs> yeah, I don't anticipate any formal uh, response from the board. Okay. But, but we will provide that to the board and then. Is that something that one of us should be signing or how's that? We'll work, work? with you, we'll, we'll, we'll work with the board office and then we'll, uh, we'll follow up if need be. Okay. Okay, great. And chair, because you're one of the participants in the ad hoc committee, uh -huh. you're actually indicated as chair on the letter. Okay. So the board will know who's chair of the committee. Okay, great. Okay, well, I'm glad we, we did that. I know it seemed like maybe it was unnecessary, but I think in hindsight, hopefully we will be glad. It's one of those things that if it goes away, we'll never know. But if it came back up, at least we'll be glad we did. Okay, great. Uh, well, we're getting down to the end here. Um, so 
the last uh, agenda item we have on here is our next meeting and our next um, our next meeting, which is going to be next November, correct? And um, do you want to mention cover that a little bit, Kevin? Like, what's our next? Sure, our next meeting will be November 11th, mm -hmm. uh, 2021 from 2 to 4 p.m. And we'll again probably be back in our cycle of focusing on um, project presentations. And um, I know, you know, COVID has presented a number of challenges, but as there are opportunities, uh, we'll also reach out to all of you to go visit project sites and meet with staff and try to you know, look for opportunities that you're interested in to, to see what's going on out there. Right. Can you expand on that a little bit? So we talked about potentially having some more field trips so we can get some of the committee members out there and actually see what's going on. I know that the few that I've attended have been extremely insightful, um, really helped me understand what's going on and really helped me understand the county. You know, all I, I, every time I go out there, I'm just overwhelmed at what gets accomplished with the amount of money that we spend. It's It's unreal. It's like, I wish the sometimes I wish the private sector could do this. So, um, so sure. I, I guess the part of the question is how we have some certain guidelines so we don't violate the Brown Act and all that. Um, so, would you send out some potential uh, opportunities that we could meet? Or I know in the past, uh, Mike and I have ridden with the Rangers and looked at some of the new projects and you know walked some of the sites and all that stuff. And, and I, I think, uh, Joe, you can always, so we can connect you individually with opportunities to go out and see, you know, projects or, you know, different work that's happening in the field. And we can do that. Um, we can figure out if, you know, uh, connect with each of you individually uh, around that. But then additionally, you know, what we'll do is at, we'll just keep working with public health and as conditions change and the opportunity to gather comes back in the future, then we'll be looking to set up a field trip for your committee uh, and we'll be in touch about how to do that uh, once once we're able to. But hard to know exactly when that'll be at this point. Okay. And are there gonna be any opportunities for us to participate in um, the budget? I know that in the past, um, you know, we've got to attend some meetings and kind of talk about where we think priorities should be. And I, you know, I, I feel strongly that the staff, the field staff have a lot of influence because they're the ones who really see the areas that need, need the attention or where they know where the funds should be spent. But I, I think it's great if you get a lot of different participants and really be involved in that. So uh, I don't know if there's an opportunity for us to be involved. And if there is, um, how would we, how would you engage us to be part of that? Yeah, so typically, you know, the Parks and Open Space Commission has a really important role in our budget development process. And so um, I think, in fact, at our last meeting, there was a presentation of like, for instance, our vegetation uh, management, you know, work plan, sort of the work that we anticipated doing in the coming year. And then there'll be subsequent uh, presentations that get, you know, more in depth on certain components of our work plan. And then there's um, a series of budget workshops that typically happen in March or April at the board um, where all of the departments present and, you know, there's uh, an opportunity to engage there. And, you know, as uh, uh, committee members, you're welcome to, to, um, to, you know, attend those as a member of the public. 
Uh, and then uh, additionally, there's we typically bring our open space budget to the board where we talk about measure A as well in June, uh, where it's uh, adopted by the by the board, and we can keep your you as committee members appraised on when those dates are for each of those items. But it, you know, in general, the you know I, the way I think about it is the Parks and Open Space Commission is you know. Uh, the body that helps is advisory, you know, around developing the budget and adopting, you know, policy uh, or advising the board on policy. And then um, the board of supervisors or the board of directors for open space adopts the policy and, and adopts the budget. And then your uh, committee reviews the expenditures to make sure that they were consistent uh, with the uh, with the measure. Okay, great. Well, I think, you know, part of my hopes as being a committee member is that we can use some of our funding to find matching grants and other things so that we can really stretch the funding that we get from Measure A. And, and, and so I would say that that's one of my priorities. I know that you guys are uh, aggressively out there looking for grants and other opportunities, but, you know, when you get someone to match this money with something else, then we just get someone more mileage out of it. So uh, I would say that's one of my hopes, or I'm not sure if there's anything we can do to influence it or improve that, but put that out there. That's great, Joe. Yeah, yeah. and that's important. Kevin is very deeply involved in that work, although right yeah. now he's very involved in staffing vaccine sites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll it's get back an extra vaccine here, Kevin. <laughs> um, here, I can make a note and bring a presentation in November to that effect. Okay. We'll have some good updates. Okay, great. And then one last thing, I know it's not really on the agenda, but um, I was just curious about the renewal and what is the timeline. Uh, I know that we had planned on doing this earlier and we slipped it back because of the pandemic and all that stuff. Is there any update on what the, um, what the timeline is and you know, how do we engage this? Yeah, the, I think that our you know, um, proposed sort of timeline is to have, you know, we'd have to bring something to our board um, but then to put a renewal on the ballot during the uh, 2022 primary, which is going to be in June. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, one other thing to mention that just made me think of is two years ago, we put out a survey to the community members, just sort of asking folks, you know, what are their, what are they most interested in around measure A and how have we done spending the measure A money? And we're going to do that again, uh, probably in the early late spring, early summer of this year. And that's just an online survey um, that uh, I think Michaela from our communications team is taking the lead on. Okay, great, great. Well, I think we're taking all the right steps to ensure that it gets renewed, but I, I wanna make sure that in hindsight, we don't have any, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Um, that we're not disappointed that we didn't do the right thing. So I just wanna make sure that we've taken all the right steps. Okay, well, that, that kind of concludes our meeting. Is there any other comments or anything? I know that, Dan, you're out there listening. Have you, you have anything to add or share? Yeah, I finally just got where I can talk to you. I think you can hear me now, right? Yes, we can. Yeehaw. Got you, Dan. All right. I've been muted out the whole time, and I've been back and forth. This has been a very frustrating meeting. Uh -oh. So I'm glad it's over. Okay. Okay. Well, Sorry, you, Dan. Can, you can always install Zoom. All right, on guys. 
on your phone. So next time we'll try to get yeah. you engaged. Hey, I started a half hour early, man. So this wouldn't happen. It, it happened. So life is like that. Okay. Well, now you've had a practice. Y'all take care. November. Joe, hopefully you'll be able to be uh, part of us again. <clears throat> Joe did it. All right. Purpose. Yeah, Larry. Bye-bye. I was saying you did it on purpose. Yeah, I did. I did. I had a special little button that's like, yeah, we don't want to hear from that guy. For life. <laughs> put him put him in the corner, right? Okay, so do we have good meeting. A, good meeting, Joe. Thank you. Well, thank you for everyone for participating. And I can't thank everybody, you know, all the other volunteers that you guys I just want to say, you know, Bob and Jeff and Larry and Mary and Dan, your participation really makes a difference. And it matters to me as being a member of the public that people care that much. So uh, thank you. And, uh, you know, I also want to take my hats off to Chris and Carl and all the other people that we don't really see, you know, uh, I know Max gets a lot of credit, as I said, as you lead, they follow. So great job on that. But I think there's a lot of, a lot of people that don't get the credit that should. And, uh, I, you know, I hope that you can spread that around on, on behalf of our committee that we're really stoked at what you guys accomplish. And, you know, I can't keep saying this over and over again, but, really how we stretch that dollar and how much gets done for the money that we've got. It's just, it's, it's impressive. And I, I think these are dividends that all our community really, really appreciates and, and takes for granted. I know that when the pandemic first happened and everything got shut down, if it hadn't been for all the open space and places we had around here, we would've been nuts. And we were, we were really fortunate to have the, the county that had the foresight to really structure um, all the places for us to go and make it. So it's not just like I said, one community got to get in a car and drive to central park or something like that. You can every, almost everybody is walking distance to something. So we're very, very fortunate. And I think a lot of it has to do with the attitude and culture of our community. So um, this just reinforces it and keeps it going. All right. I'm leaving. Okay. Thank you, Larry. Anything else need to be said? I think we're ready to sign off and um, adjourn this meeting unless there's anything else we need to be saying. Okay. Happy trails, everyone. Talk to you Take soon. Care. Yep.